yeah, I didn't want to die. You, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what it boiled down to. I didn't want to take this airplane up and die in it, you know, on the first flight. Welcome back to the First Crack Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Van Buren. This is the podcast for stuff you didn't know you wanted to know about. Firstcrackpodcast.com. Where, after you give this episode a listen, pop over there. Click the star ratings. Let me know what you think of the show. Leave a comment and uh, send me an email, firstcrack at gmail.com. Today we're talking with Jeff Coffey. Jeff took three and a half years of his life and built an airplane in his garage from from scratch, from, from four by eight sheets of aluminum and his bare hands. This is that story. Jeff, take it away. I grew up in Appleton, Wisconsin, which is um, a little town about 20 miles north of Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And Oshkosh, Wisconsin is is the sort of the center of the universe for home-built airplanes. Uh, it's the headquarters of the Experimental Aircraft Association, the EAA, um, which is which is a big group, you know, a few hundred thousand members that everyone who's ever thought about building an airplane or that has built an airplane belongs to. And every summer they have a big convention, um, a big fly-in that I think there's usually about ten or 11,000 airplanes there. And, and at least a few thousand of those airplanes every summer are home-built airplanes. And growing up in Appleton, um, my dad would take me down to Oshkosh uh, every summer for, for a couple of days, and we'd walk around and look at the airplanes and look at all the exhibits and all the booths. And and uh, and I think when I was little, I never really realized that they were home-built airplanes, but, but it was just cool to be around so many airplanes and to look up and kind of just see the sky full of airplanes. So it was always pretty exciting. I think because of my dad, my dad was a private pilot, I always had an interest in aviation. And when I got to high school and college, I started taking flying lessons and eventually got my pilot's license. <laughs> But I always hated renting airplanes, um, which is what most people do. You know, you rent an airplane for 50 or $60 an hour. But I, I never felt comfortable in those rented airplanes because I didn't know how well they were maintained or who flew them last or what kind of shape they were in. And, um, and, and on top of that, it was always hard to get an airplane on the days that I could fly, like on a Saturday or Sunday morning. Um, the planes were always taken, especially if the weather was good. So a couple of years after getting my pilot's license, I, I started to think about getting my own airplane somehow. And buying an airplane, you know, either a new airplane or even buying a decent used airplane was just out of the question. So I started to think about about building my own airplane. And I, I think for a lot of people, you know, the the idea of building your own airplane is just kind of insane. I mean, it's just sort of a ridiculous concept that, you know, that you'd go out to your garage and build an airplane and actually take that out and to the airport and fly it. But after growing up, um, going to Oshkosh every summer, you know, it just, it wasn't that weird of a concept. I mean, it just seemed very doable because I kind of grew up every summer seeing people that, that did it for fun. I started looking around and, and, uh, there are a lot of different options out there for people that want to build an airplane. I mean, there are literally thousands of different designs out there, everything, you know, just from simple blueprints up to, you know, really nicely constructed kits that you can buy. Um, to to build a plane. So I, I spent a long time researching it, and I found one that I liked uh, called a Sonics. And uh, the Sonics is a little airplane, a little two-seat, all-aluminum airplane with a low wing, and it has a nice big canopy on it. And the, a big canopy was one of 
one of my key requirements. You know, I wanted to have an airplane that had a really good view. So the Sonics was fantastic because it, it is, it's all canopy. So when you're off the ground, you know, you just get a great perspective and a great, a great view of the earth below you, which is what I wanted because I never really go flying to go from point A to point B. I never take my airplane on vacation. I just I go out on Saturday morning and fly for an hour and look at the cows and, you know, look at the trees and look at the rivers and that kind of stuff. So the view is incredibly important. The second thing that really mattered was the price point. You know, how how much is this thing going to cost? Because I didn't have a huge budget to work with. So the Sonics was pretty affordable. Um, I started out by just buying a set of blueprints from them for $600, um, which, which gave me a set of really nice detailed blueprints, about 100 sheets, 24 inches by 36 inches, that were just really super detailed. And, um, and then I, I ordered up the aluminum that I needed to build the airframe. The, this, the company Sonics gave me a materials list and I found a company in California that had all of it. And, uh, I bought all the aluminum to build the entire airframe for about $900 and then with another $200 for shipping. So for less than $2,000, I had everything I needed to build, to build an airframe, to build something that my that my neighbors would recognize as an airplane. So that was it. That's how it got started. You know, kind of from from the time I decided to the time I actually had the blueprints and the aluminum in my garage was maybe six months or a year. But really kind of the start the story started, you know, long before that, just as a kid going to Oshkosh every summer. So from there, you know, I had never I had never worked with aluminum before and I had done some some projects around my house and some renovations around my house. So, you know, I mean working with tools, you know, I was kind of comfortable with that, but but I had never I had never done anything with aluminum, you know, other than crush soda cans for recycling. Um, so there was there was a little bit of a learning curve, but but not much at all. And and in fact I always tell people that I could I could teach you what you need to know to build an airframe uh, in about four hours. You know, there there aren't a lot of skills that go into it. Um, it's just that the the things that you need to learn how to do, you end up doing over and over and over and over again. So, you know, typically, um, you know, you, you need to learn how to cut aluminum. And most of it, the thin stuff, I just cut with a tin snips, cut by hand. You need to know how to file it, how to drill it, how to deburr it. But again, all super simple tasks. But like, like in the case of drilling, um, the Sonics has 7,000 rivets in it. And rivets are used to fasten two parts together. So there's, there's a hole in each part. And you always start by dr drilling a pilot size hole in each piece and then drilling it up to the final size with both pieces mated together. So basically for all 7,000 rivets, you end up drilling three holes for each one. So you're drilling 21,000 times. And to deburr those holes, anytime you drill something, it can leave a little burr on the edge, which will, will weaken the airframe. So you need to get rid of those burrs. Um, you know, each hole has two sides and it's, it's the two pieces that you're mating together. So for each rivet, you're basically deburring four times. So 28,000 times with a little drill bit passed to, um, to deburr the edge. So, so while the, it doesn't require much in terms of skills, you're using those skills over and over and over again in a way that you, you kind Kinda, you just need to be persistent. You just need to stick with it, and you need to kind of, kind of relish the mundane. Really, you know, you need to be able to go out to the garage like on a Saturday morning, and just know you're going to be deburring all day long. You know, <laughs> and there's nothing fun about deburring, but you know, but it's, but it's, I don't know. It's it's think time. It's sort of decompress time. It's in a, in an odd sort of way. It's sort of it's it's therapeutic. 
So, you know, so to build the airframe, it, it didn't take much other than a lot of time, a ridiculous amount of time. So I started, um, I started building in March of 1999. That's when I had the aluminum delivered. And the first flight was in October of 2002. Is that right? I think that's right. So it was about, uh, it was three and a half years from when I started building to the first flight was three and a half years. And, um, I started with a tail and then, uh, and then I built the wings, uh, and then I built the fuselage. And then after that kind of came all the system stuff, you know, figuring out um, how to hook up the engine, figuring out how to, you know, do the fuel system, figure out how to hook up all the instruments, the electrical system, the control rods, things like that. It's a lot of bolting, a lot of, yeah, that, that stuff, like all the system stuff, you know, the fuel system, the electrical system, you know, all, all those things. And that's really where a lot of the time came in because there was a learning curve on that stuff. Uh, my airplane is really simple. It's, it's what, you call a day VFR plane, which means there are no lights on it. So I can only fly it during the day. And it's a VFR plane, which is visual flight rules. I can only fly it in good weather. It's not, it doesn't have the instruments that are required to fly in bad weather. So in terms of like the instrument panel, it's a really simple airplane. I mean, there's not much in there. It's kind of like altimeter, airspeed indicator, vertical airspeed, you know what I mean? And then I have a little computer, a little engine information system, a little digital display that, that gives me, I don't know, 30 or 40 different parameters on my engine and de- delivered digitally, which is kind of cool. But, you know, I mean, the, the instrument panel is really small and there's not much there. But but even so, there was there was a real learning curve that came with learning, you know, how you wire an aircraft instrument panel. Um, you know, I mean, just what kind of what kind of connectors do you use? What kind of wires do you use? I mean, what goes where? Um, but, you know, that was kind of fun. You know, that and like with that stuff, I probably actually spent more time um, reading than actually building, you know, I mean, the learning took more time than actually building. Um, but at that point I had a fuselage that I could actually sit in. So, so, I mean, it like wouldn't even be that uncommon for me to go out to the garage and actually sit inside the airplane with my book. And, you know, that would just kind of keep me motivated. I could sit there and make airplane noise and dream about, dream about actually flying the thing one day. Um, and learn what I needed to learn to kind of to keep moving. So that was kind of that was kind of fun, um, and it was it was kind of fun at the end. I mean, you know, to actually get to a point. You know, I mean, when you go from literally a set of blueprints and a set of like just a, a four foot by eight foot flat sheets of aluminum, you know, to something that you can sit in and like, you know, you, where I could actually create a checklist of like what needed to be done. You know I mean? Like it, the get, getting down to like a manageable list even was, was kind of cool and kind of exciting. And even at that point where things kind of slowed down, the process kind of slowed down, you know, sort of the, the end, the end was in sight. Um, but a real common saying among, aircraft builders is that, you know, when you're 90% done, there's still 90% left to do. And that is kind of the way it felt. I mean, I actually had something in my garage that looked like an airplane and, and, um, but I still had, you know, years of work left to do on it. You know, I didn't move out of the garage until the last moment. Basically I, I moved out of the garage I don't know, maybe a year and a half or so into it, I moved it into the yard just to fit the wings onto the fuselage and you know, which we call wing rigging. And that's, you know, getting the wings on there, getting them, you know, they're, they're the wing tip, you know, getting the heights right, all the different angles on the wing, the angle of attack, you know, the 
the the dihedral, getting all these different angles right, getting that all set up, and then drilling it in a way. So you know, when you put the bolts in, the wings are aligned right. I did that in about a weekend out in my yard, and then I took the wings back off again and moved it back into my garage. And I really I kept it in my garage until until probably two or three months before the first flight when I loaded it up on a trailer and moved it out to the airport. And part of the reason for that, like living in Minneapolis, you know, and I just live a couple miles from the big international airport, the, the, the closest airport, the airport that I keep my plane at the Lakeville airport is about 30 miles away from home. So to have, you know, to have your airplane 30 miles away from home makes it really hard to work on. You know, it's just having an hour of driving just to get there and back, you know, makes it pretty tough. So I kept it at home as long as I could so I could be as productive as I could. So I had basically everything ready. I hadn't started the engine yet. And I, I needed to put the wings on and do the rig, the controls, you know, the rods that go out to the ailerons and the rods that go out to the flaps and that kind of stuff. I had to do that. But the, the final assembly out at the airport really was only a couple of months. And it was mostly doing doing the first engine runs and just doing some taxi tests and things like that before the first flight. So, yeah, I kept it at home. I kept it at home as long as I could. I haven't taken my wife up in it. I haven't taken my wife up in it. The whole, you know, the whole story of the first flight, kind of one of the, like one of the, one of the real sort of interesting things, like for me, I don't know if other home builders are the same way, but you know, you, you decide to take on a project like building an airplane. And for years, literally years, it's sort of the dream of flying it that kind of keeps you going, you know, cause it's not, you know, you hit frustrating times and you hit times where it, the work really does feel tedious. And there are a lot of times, you know, like buying the engine, which was the, the one single biggest purchase was just a huge financial hit. There are a lot of times along the way where you just think this is ridiculous. You know, why am I doing this? But the whole, the idea of, of flying it at some point is kind of what keeps you going along. But, the closer I got to the first flight, especially those last couple of months and the last couple of weeks and the last couple of days, like the tune totally changed for me. I mean, like the idea of flying an airplane that I, that I built in my garage just started to seem absurd. I've spent all this time and all this money and I've actually built this thing and it's, and it's, it it can be flown, but I didn't, you know, it scared me to death. You know, it scared me to death to think. So it's like the, the dream of flying it that kind of keeps you going all through the beginning, like all of a sudden turned, you know, sort of turned on me at the end. It's like, wait a minute, I don't, this just seems ridiculous, you know? And, <laughs> and, you know, and I think like anytime you're, anytime you're flying an airplane, you know, it's, it's healthy to have some level of fear, you know I mean? It keeps you safe, but, but yeah, the idea of flying the plane became really intimidating the closer I got to finishing it. And part of that, part of it that kind of went into it was um, my my wife was pregnant with our first with our first uh, daughter. She was about five months pregnant when we did the first flight. And, you know, at that point, kind of five months into the pregnancy, I was getting pretty focused on having kids and kind of like all the time I had spent over the years leading up to it you know, focused on building, you know, I was kind of really getting excited about shifting that time and being able to spend all that time on my kids and, you know, kind of just focusing on like our house and our family and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I didn't want to die, you you know, (laughs) 
I mean, that's kind of what it boiled down to. I didn't want to take this airplane up and die in it, you know, on the first flight. And flying, you know, flying typically is as safe as you want it to be. You know, I mean, you can be, you know, really cautious and really conservative and do a thorough job and kind of stay proficient. And and flying small airplanes can be safe. You know, I mean, there's really, if you look at all the reasons people, um, people, people crash and die in small airplanes. I mean, none of them really need to happen. I mean, people run out of fuel, you know, there's no reason to ever run out of fuel. People fly into bad weather. There's no reason to ever fly into bad weather. You know, I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're doing things right. So, you know, kind of always through flying, you know, my, my experience is flying, you know, I was able to sort of mitigate the risks in a way that made it feel comfortable for, for myself. But the first flight in a home built airplane just was different. You know, I mean, there is a certain amount of risk. I was always really comfortable with how I built it. And it's amazing the number of parts that I built that I threw away and built again. In fact, I probably built the airplane twice. I probably built a version of it that I just, that I threw away because the quality wasn't what I wanted it to be. But, um, it's it's a plane that it's not like a it's not like a Cessna that you can go out and rent and get training in. So this airplane, the Sonics, you know, while there were there were probably I think mine was the 38th or the 39th Sonics to fly. There were a few of them around the country, but there were none that I could go and rent or get training in. I, I had there's a, a, a guy down in Iowa. Um, who finished one, who flew his plane up here, and he gave me some time in it, gave me some stick time in it. But still, it was his airplane. He did the takeoffs. He did the landings. You know, I just kind of got to got the feel of it in the air. So the idea of, of sort of flying a new airplane for the first time was sort of intimidating for me. And I, I was a pretty low-time pilot. I had about, well, under 100 hours total in airplanes. And um, and I built, there's, there's basically, there's two kind of styles of airplanes, tail draggers and tricycle gears. It's how the landing gear is configured. And most airplanes like Cessnas and all like airliners that fly today are tricycle gear airplanes, meaning the third wheels in the front. I built a tail dragger and tail draggers are kind of cool. They're, they're sort of nostalgic. I mean, it's kind of a throwback. They're a little more high performance, you know, there's less weight, less drag with a wheel up front. They're a little bit better on kind of grass strips, you know, kind of country strips, which is kind of the flying that I wanted to do. But tail draggers are harder to fly. They're, they're not harder to fly. They're harder to take off and land. They're harder to handle on the ground than tricycle gear, gear airplanes. And I didn't have any experience. You're tipped in the basically what it is. The center of gravity is behind the main gear. The center of gravity for the airplane is behind the main gear. So it gives the airplane tail draggers have a tendency to want to ground loop. Basically, you need to keep the plane with the rudders with your feet. You need to keep the plane perfectly coordinated or you'll ground loop. The tail will whip around to the front and, you know, usually end up dinging a wing or something if that happens. So, so like with Cessnas, you can, you can really do a decent job flying a Cessna with your feet flat on the floor in the airplane. I mean, you almost don't even need to use the rudder pedals most of the time, but with a tail dragger, you really kind of need to have the feel of the airplane and you're always kind of dancing on the rudder pedals. I mean, you're really sort of keeping the thing, um, keeping the thing aligned with the rudder pedals in a way that I just didn't have much experience doing. I went out and I got a tailwheel endorsement. I had about eight hours in a tail dragger plane, but the idea of flying a, you know, uh, an airplane that had never been flown and B 
you know, uh, an airplane that I didn't have any experience in or very limited experience in, and then sort of see like a, a tail dragger on top of it. You know, yeah, the idea of the first flight was sort of intimidating. <laughs> So, you know, as at that point, I kind of decided, you know, that I liked building a lot better than flying. But, you know, I, I had come too far to not do it. But I actually, a good thing happened. I, I had a really good stroke of luck. There was a, a pilot in town, an old timer, um, who learned how to fly in World War II and then became a professional pilot, flew for Northwest, was a test pilot for Northwest. He's an incredibly talent, talented engineer. He designed four airplanes and built them and flew them himself. So, you know, totally new airplanes, designed and built them himself. And just, just an incredibly talented guy with, you know, 20, 30,000 hours in airplanes. And we had sort of become friends through the process of building, um, of me building this airplane. And couple weeks before the first flight, before it was ready for the first flight, um, he called me up and, and he said, he said, you know, I've done a lot of first flights. He said, I'd be happy to take, take your plane up and just do the first shakeout. And it's, it's, it was pretty, it was a, it was a tough decision because when you spend all that time building a plane, um, you know, you kind of want, you kind of want to do that yourself. But I felt really comfortable about the airframe. I felt really comfortable about the way it was built. But I think the kicker, um, being, being my wife, being five months pregnant and just, just wanting to be smart about it. Um, I, I let Bert do the first flight in the plane and for Bert, it was like, it was like no big deal is, you know, I mean, he just, you know, he walked in like he was just, you know, like he was kind of walking into McDonald's to get a cup of coffee or something. I mean, it was just, he had done this so many times in his life that it was just sort of a non-event for him. And like with all of his experience, you know, his attitude was that like all small airplanes fly exactly the same, you know, I mean, it's just, it, and that's like the way it is for him. It's like, oh, it's a small airplane. A small airplane is a small airplane. And, you know, he kind of just jumped in and, you know, I showed him just the basics, you know, how to start the plane, kind of how the instrument panel was laid out. I, I told him what I knew about it and it was just like nothing for him. I was scared to death. You know, I was scared to death, but, but Bert went out and, um, Bert went out and he, and he, uh, he took off, he did a 30 minute flight. Um, he just circled the airport and, uh, and, kind of pushed it up to cruise speed, brought it back to stall speed, and then kind of brought it down and landed it. And basically what Bert determined on the first flight was that that um, that the airplane was balanced, that there wasn't anything that was out of rig on the airplane. You know, it didn't have a tendency for one wing to drop or the other wing to drop, but, you know, the plane was balanced. He basically brought it back. He said, the plane flies great. Have fun with it. So it was, it was really wonderful to have somebody with so much experience that was willing to help me out and do that. And Bert sort of saw me build the plane, saw the whole process, saw the plane under construction, and he knew that it was built well and felt comfortable doing that. So with that out of the way, then it, it actually did become time for me to fly the first time myself. And that, it was, it was comforting knowing that that Bert flew it and that the plane was rigged correctly, but it was still, it was still just an absolutely terrifying experience. You know I mean? Just like my mouth had never been so dry in my entire life. My, my hands were shaking, um, to the point where I was like having a hard time, like getting the seatbelt buckled. And there, there's a whole story around the first flight. That's kind of crazy. I'll try to be really brief about it, but there are two other guys in town that were, that finished their airplanes about the same time that I did. 
Um, one was a friend of mine that built the same kind of plane, built a Sonics. He did his first flight the same morning. I went out and we helped him. I helped him do his first flight first. And he on he had a great first flight, but he lost his engine on final approach and he ended up doing a dead stick landing. So kind of like a scary, really scary moment, you know, that really kind of got everyone to perk up and just everything was fine. He did a beautiful dead stick landing, but because of a carburetor issue, he lost his engine on the first flight. So, but everything went well besides that. So then I went over to my airport, to my airplane, get my airplane ready for me to do my first flight in it. And there was another plane in the same hangar. It's an an EAA hangar. So another home builder, he went out and he did his first flight. And when he came into land, he stalled probably a good 20 or 30 feet above the runway and he plunked it in really hard and he bent bent one of the landing gear legs up and we actually there's a big group of people out there kind of helping him with his first flight but we ended up carrying his airplane off the runway he was okay he was okay but he damaged his airplane this was like all in the same morning you know and now it's my turn you know it's my turn to go fly my plane so you know we had started early i mean it was still probably before noon but i basically saw two first flights you know one that ended in a dead stick landing and one that ended in a damaged airplane that needed to be carried off the runway and then like on top of it you know kind of just all the fears and all the emotion that goes into your own first flight it was um it was pretty crazy you know it was pretty crazy but Just like, just like, um, just like the, the first time you solo in an airplane or the first time I soloed in an, in an airplane, you know, you taxi out onto the runway and, you know, you're scared to death to fly an airplane by yourself for the first time. But, you know, you taxi out onto the runway and you push the throttle in and, you know, by the, when the wheels leave the ground, there's no point in being nervous anymore. And like when I soloed for the first time, you know, the second the wheels left the ground, just all that nervousness just kind of went away. And you, you do, you do the flight. And like when I soloed, you know, you do three takeoffs and landings, you know, three touch and goes and you come back. And as soon as you're back on the ground, kind of all that nervousness comes back. But while you're flying, you know, just, I don't know, just the something about the ability of the human mind or whatever to kind of focus and and accomplish you know kind of do the task that needs to be done and it was the same it was the same thing with with um flying the sonics for the first time you know i was scared to death but i got out on the runway and pushed the throttle in and got off the ground and sort of all that fear kind of went away and I, I went up to about 3,000 feet and I just circled the airport. I just stayed right over the airport, circled the airport. And I just remember it being kind of peaceful, you know, and thinking I had spent so much time sitting in the plane, sitting in the plane, like in my garage, you know, like with my garage door open, like, you know, looking out the front of the airplane, like across the alleyway at my neighbor Vern's house. You know, like I just, I've spent so much time. It was, it was really cool to be in the airplane and be in the air and like look out the front and just to see, you know, to see the, see the world from 3000 feet. It was just different. And, and I remember kind of looking out the left, like looking out the window out at the wing and kind of moving the stick a little bit and seeing the aileron move a little bit and kind of feeling the plane wiggle a little bit and just thinking, yep, that works. It works exactly like it should, you know, and thinking that's pretty cool. You know, it's like I built it and I moved the stick to the left and the plane turns to the left. And, you know, and obviously I knew that, you know, that that's how it was going to be before I took off, but just something about, you know, being up in the air for the first time and just seeing, you know, you pull back on the stick and the plane pitches up. And I mean, everything, you know, it just worked the way that it should. And, 
And, you know, I did about a 30 minute first flight as well. And, um, I came around and did, did the first landing, which was, you know, it was an adequate landing. I mean, I don't, I, I probably bounced it a little bit. The tires kind of squeaked a little bit, but I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't great, but it wasn't horrible. Um, and you know, taxied off and, <clears throat> and, and that was it, you know, it was the first flight. It was, it was pretty cool. You know, I've had the plane for a couple of years now, but I still, I think, I think today I only have about 70 hours on the plane. Um, just it's hard with a couple of little kids, you know, I, I, on the weekends, I like to spend time with my kids now rather than go out to the airport, but, but it's still pretty cool to kind of, to go out there and have a plane, you know, at, at the airport that I built myself that I can go and fly anytime that I want to, and that I can maintain myself. And, um, and, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm actually fairly comfortable flying it now. I mean, it was probably a good 30 or 40 hours of flying to kind of, to get to know the plane and get to know its quirks and, um, to really understand how it reacts in different conditions and how to fly it in different conditions. Um, I feel like I know it pretty well now, you know, and all the way, all the way from, you know, kind of drilling the first hole through getting really comfortable kind of through its full range of flight characteristics. I mean, it's, um, pretty much a part of me, you know, <laughs> that was uh, first crack podcast number 61 building an airplane at home with Jeff coffee. Uh, what do you think? Let me know. Firstcrackpodcast.com. <laughs> Thanks for making the first crack podcast part of your day. This is Garrick Van Buren signing off.